0: Hello there. If you're listening to this upon release, I'm getting the first two episodes out quickly in order to plug a piece of work by my special guest, Dan Rebellato. He is a superb writer and he has a new play, a take on the Me Too movement, but with a twist, on Radio 4 at 2pm on the 4th of January. So I've rushed this forward in the schedule to give you the heads up. The play will remain on BBC Sounds for a month. Now, Dan is a witty, intelligent, and very sharp scriptwriter, and I know you'll enjoy his work. Especially if you enjoy the Doctor Who story that he's chosen for us. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who podcast in which I, Toby Haydoke, ask a friend to choose a story and to tell me their favourite things about it. Well, welcome to Heydoke Towers. I'm going to slightly alter the way I'm doing these in order to save me a bit of time in the shoddy booth in which I uh, record and put these things together for your digestion. Um, So I'm doing the introduction as part of my watching of the episode, so I don't have to do a special um extra sort of recording session you don't need to know the mechanics i'm just trying to make this easier because it's taking off an awful lot of my time and i've just spent half an hour wrestling with i i understand the iphone is a marvelous piece of technology but it's a but it's just irritated the hell out of me and i want to smash it to pieces um but nonetheless i'm instead using it to film me and do all the other clever things it can do um Doesn't mean I can't get annoyed with it. So I know there's a running theme of me getting annoyed with technology, so it might be me at fault and not the technology, but I'm clinging on to the illusion that it's its fault and not mine. Um so we what we're gonna do to introduce uh our story uh is to meet our special guest, uh, who is going to introduce himself, I hope, uh, and to tell me for the first time, uh, I know, obviously, because he's let me know what story he's chosen. But now he's going to enunciate a vague outline of why. uh, And then we'll get down to business.
1: Hi, Toby. I have chosen the reboss operation. Uh, The reboss operation is not on many people's top ten lists. Uh, In fact, I've seen it on some people's uh, worst ten Doctor Who's, but they are wrong. It's one of the great, great stories of the classic era. It's definitely in my top 10. There are probably more action-packed stories. There are certainly better monster stories. This isn't much of a monster story, um, but this is so enjoyable. It's so intricate. It's so rewarding. Uh, I love this. I love this story uh, passionately.
0: Oh, he's what well, he's he's edited it rather beautifully. he's given a a, a a fade to black in between bits, which means I don't have to guess when he stopped talking. He didn't introduce himself. He is Dan Rebolato. He is a very clever man a gifted playwright has written many plays for radio and for the stage. Um, very smart cookie. I might talk about how Dan and I. Uh, first encountered each other uh, but Dan's a very entertaining very smart fella um and he's a writer so i'm slightly unsurprised that it was him that has chosen well i'm, I'm gonna talk over the because i'm gonna i'm gonna press play we're gonna press play and i'll get into this press play in three two one and uh, don't worry, it has started. I just don't have the sound turned up because there we go. So we're watching uh, the Ribos Operation. I might sometimes, Baxton, call it the Ribos Operation because uh, uh, that was what I first knew it as when I saw the book in the Castle Bookshop in Castle Square in Ludlow. I th- I, I'm assuming I, I bought it then. The cover is unlike any other cover. Uh, it's a cover by John Geary, and it's uh, this sort of slightly modelled, uh, mottled thing uh, uh with the shrevenzar looking all sort of ripped it actually looks like it's scooped up its own feces and it's having a having a munch on them the way that its claw is um but i'm not sure i read the book for ages i don't know if ian marter and the rebos operation is is, is 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 i i can't actually remember much about the book at all I think I remember the death of one of the characters having a, their side blown out. Um, but I, I, whereas this I predominantly know of because of its glorious humour. Although I love the lighting and this darkness, this is a fantastic opening. I think of this as a sort of frivolous and fun story, but this is a really epic uh, beginning and I love that lighting and I love the TARDIS fading to black. Um now, Tom Baker's Doctor has this insouciance about him um, that I think in the ensuing scene, um, you know, is, is slightly flippant. Um, and Doctor has always sort of destroyed its gods and monsters uh, sometimes by undermining their pomposity. But you still do need... Uh, Dudley, Dudley Simpson's giving us the organ stuff so for the start of an umbrella season uh which i i remember some of this season i think from repeats but i wasn't aware really of the linking thing until you know i went back to learn about the history of doctor who so although i had memories of pirate planet i think only pirate planet really which i think was a repeat i i don't think the the key to time thing had quite registered with me as a little too young 1978 I was four Cyril Luckham and the white and so reading about the history of Doctor Who the white guardian uh, uh, uh you know uh, uh, and and the way that the white and the black guardian came into the Peter Davison era as though they were great figures from the past what one didn't actually realize until much much later is the white guardian and the Black Guardian, are both in about five minutes of one episode. The way that I think the way that it was sort of written up, you assumed they were these sort of towering monoliths who cast a shadow over the, the whole season, and they they, they sort of don't. Um, I kind of like that, that. I mean, this is Uh, I remember Tom Baker on the Tom Baker Years video, VHS, which is a thing of beauty if you've never seen it. Uh, I would seek it out. Unlike the other Years tapes, it's Tom reacting spontaneously to clips. And they show him this bit, which I think is not a a great way to remember the rebos operation, but he does describe it as sort of two old sweats, you know, working hard, because it's sort of exposition, but it's exposition with character, with lots of good jokes, I think Baker's um, insolence is is matched with a, a great efficiency and quiet power by Cyril Luckham, uh, and that nothing will happen to you ever is an absolutely fantastic threat. Uh, and he looks great, doesn't he? And I, I think that's a very Doctor Who thing to do: is to have an all powerful alien looking like uh, a, a, a sort of, an old gent on a veranda, <laughs> having a what looks like a bit of creme de menthe with a with a buttonhole. Um, yeah, do, do, you know, do bringing down it's making it's all powerful things you know work within a budget but also it makes it makes it sort of work timelessly i love the fact that the doctor even the doctor's slightly pissed off with the exposition now he's like yes what else what else do we have to get 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 out of you before we get the plot going but i actually think this is even though it's pretty you know straightforwardly done in terms of let's get this all let's let's dump this information immediately not organically have it as part of the story it's like a it's like an opening chapter it's like a prologue or a preface uh, before the story proper Um, which is slightly cheeky but it's it's done with two old sweats um, but some good lines and I think Cyril Luckham judges it well that shot is incredible what a way to herald uh, the arrival of the beautiful Mary Tam uh, in a stunning dress from a debuting costume designer, the fabulous June Hudson who I think is uh, I mean, just makes everything look uh, either elegant or operatic or and I think it's the right way to go Uh, it, it does run the risk Perhaps of no, it doesn't. No, I think you need to embrace Doctor Who with both hands. I think where Doctor, when Doctor Who looks drab uh, and has people talking about highfalutin things while dressed in beige or that that wonderful phrase, you know, squabbling rubber. Um, but I think when it goes well, let's really, you know, embrace the the largeness of this, the joy of this, the fun of this, never knowingly undersold, be it a, per, a performance or a costume. Now, doing large has to be well judged. I love Tom Baker. I don't think he always is reined in enough, or and I and I think he is sometimes wayward. Now, you you pays that you 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 uh, you know you you pays the money you what's the what's the phrase you you, what i'm alluding to is you you get an actor with this sort of presence confidence and eccentricity uh and the rewards you get do sometimes come with with uh some some kickback and i think that that is tom will try anything uh and it means we get some moments of absolute brilliance but sometimes it means we get some moments that 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 don't quite work and and would i have would i rather have that than someone that that never does the moments of greatness should life be like that i think perhaps it should although i would say and uh, and uh that i think you know patrick Trouton is 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 another mercurial actor i don't think he has as many way i don't think he has wayward moments in the way that that, that tom baker does and i think some of that's tied in with the length of time that Tom Baker pays the part and what we know about him and I think you know we know that he would test directors he would test other actors in fact what I love about this key to time season um is actually when I rediscovered it on on DVD uh and that gorgeous box that it came in it was when I and I, and, I, and you know it was quite a lot of money and I remember Oh, I bought the key to time season because it wasn't a season I knew brilliantly. I never had the VHSs. I borrowed the VHSs off a friend of mine. Um, uh, uh, and he never actually got them back. Uh, he doesn't want them back now because technology has moved on with my friend Bernard uh, who played Tylos in full circle I met this guy and he lived not far away he was in full circle uh, and he lent me the key to time season and that was really when I had seen it on bootleg but that was when I watched it properly which was quite late on it was after I left university Um, so it took me a long time I think to, to, to learn to to realize how great this this story was, because watching it on a slightly sort of mucky VHS, I, th- I think didn't help with its charms. I was slightly worried approaching this because I I have the feeling that much of what I love about it is the things that people say to each other. And the very nature of this is that I have to talk through it. So there will be various brilliant lines that will, I'm sure, be missed. Uh, uh, and It's the lines and the performances that uh, I think I've always really enjoyed about this, which means I've 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 had this waiting in the wings and have approached it with some trepidation, partially because Dan is a playwright, uh, who I will know will probably choose rich textual things that might not be as easy for me to pick up upon, because of this process, which involves not shutting up, uh, which. Uh, you know, so they, you know this is what this is. They're slightly wobbly claws. The he Dan said in his introduction, it's not a great monster story. Um, uh, it, it is about the characters. Unstoff and Garen are fantastic. Um, but yes, what I what I what I was saying when I rediscovered this on on DVD, one of the great joys was listening to Tom Baker and Mary Tam on the commentaries because they obviously got on they obviously had great respect for each other mary tam because she has this ice maiden thing going on as as romana and i think she's written as as, as sort of aloof i hadn't realized just what a laugh uh she was um and that really comes across in the dvd commentaries and i've seen a few on stage interviews with her since uh, at conventions and she's this stunning classical beauty and I think she's from Eastern European stock wasn't she so she has she she has those those that sort of stunning slightly aristocratic looks about her but I think she was also uh, a Yorkshire woman wasn't she and and has a sort of blunt game sense of humor and uh, I wish I had uh, I wish I had got to know Mary Tam because I think I'd have liked her a lot and, and I actually think Mary Tam is is perhaps slightly more interesting than Romana somehow is allowed to be. I'd be i be very interested to see how I react to Romana this because I remember when we wrote Running Through Corridors, neither Rob nor I had an awful lot to say about uh, Romana one, uh, and I don't I'm not I still haven't quite got to the bottom of that, um, because because obviously they have a great rapport um and it's interesting because the doctor and Leela have a great dynamic and it's you know it's no secret that uh Tom Baker and Louise Jameson didn't get on but I do like the idea that apparently yeah Tom was a bit Tom Baker was a bit uh you know rude to Mary Tam and she stood up to him and got his respect and and yeah they discovered they shared a similar sense of humor so there's a different sort of dynamic uh going on between doctor and companion and how do we feel interesting how do we feel about the fact that somebody's come and said of our hero um actually it didn't do that well in class and i'm a bit cleverer than you um but the series has never been afraid to do that it's never been afraid to show the flaws of it so John John Perk was vanity was you know often front and centre and often led to him having to cover up for his own folly Patrick Troughton and and Zoe you know um, uh, there's no doubt that the Doctor is fiercely intelligent but he's perhaps you know too busy mucking about building his own time-space manipulator out of you know fizz bombs, God Stoppers, and mud uh, and, and uh, a Ford Fiesta uh, than he is to sit down and learn the proper science and do well in exams. And I, you know, I, that appeals to me because, because, you know, I'm not a reader of instructions. Uh, I don't have the patience to do things properly. So I always <laughs> get through by the skin of my teeth uh, and usually make things much more difficult than they need to be so that element of the the doctor i you know i f- i feel good about myself if i if i if i identify with the doctor because obviously the doctor is a brilliant charismatic clever uh, and intelligent and heroic person so if if i have some traits that aren't necessarily good traits that i can sort of go ah oh, yeah but if the doctor does that they must be up to something now I'm loving the design on this. Uh, I think the costumes are magnificent. I know a lot of them came from stock, but it doesn't matter. Um, Making BBC drama is all about marshalling the resources at your disposal. And I believe this is cold. And and I suspect it was really, really hot because they're in a television studio. And it's, it's obviously studio-bound, but that's okay. I mean, the BBC Shakespeare's were obviously studio-bound and they were, you know, illustrious high-end productions. This looks great. That's a fantastic set from Ken Ledsham. Um, I'm, I love the snow. I just th- think the snow makes it feel a bit a, a, a bit different. Um, so I love the whole feel of ribos, Reboss. See, I I, 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 think I like to think I know a bit about Doctor Who, but I've got a real, <laughs> I've got a real brain fog when it comes to and Time Lord. I I'll, I'll always have to check how Time Lord is laid out. Is it Time Lord or is it Time Lord? Um, and I know, but I forget, and then I lose confidence in myself. It's the same with Reboss and Ribos. Do you have any blind spots, listeners? Um, <laughs> oh, now I have. I have put on my Patreon page, on patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Uh, I have asked uh, some of those very generous people who keep me in uh, uh, gobstoppers and oxygen to uh, to send questions or observations about the stories coming up. I've only had two of them, Nathan Moore and Tim Dickinson have asked things and suggest things so i might throw those in if i lose inspiration um how far ahead asks nathan moore he has a question was the key to time idea planned in terms of this season and to what extent was it mapped out well i mean it was planned far ahead it was it was going to have this umbrella theme and uh that there was an edict on high to be less silly than uh, the invasion of time but uh they I don't think they mapped out a story arc, and I think that's that's apparent in the way that uh, the, the the key to time is a, apart from the sort of looking for the the segments, which writers work in to a lesser and greater extent, depending on how they wanted to serve the story. The actual you know key to time plot is is sort of basically two bookends with Valentine Dahl and Cyr- Cyril Luckham uh, uh, at either end. Uh, that's not quite fair on the armageddon factor which i think at least um you know does does sort of tip the nod to go no we're getting to the end of the key to time thing now and 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 we need to up the ante um and robert holmes i think works the key to time into this um rather nicely everybody's after the same thing but it's of different value to different people and some of its value is invented i think i think that's all quite clever i i right yes so confession time i love this story this is not going to be difficult for me to eulogize it might be difficult for me to describe to you because it's so rich in character and dialogue and performance but this is the sort of thing the bbc does well this is the sort of thing these kinds of actors do well it's good acting it is not necessarily acting you would find much of on television these days um I think that's understandable. Um, a lot of this is more rooted in sort of stage tradition, but I I love these performances. I mean, Paul Seed I think is is it's it's a, such a big performance as the Graf Vindicay. By the way, the nomenclature of as well, the Graf Vindicay, nobody has a name like the Graf Vindicay, and it works. I don't. I think in the book he's the Graf Vindicay. I don't think uh, Ian Marta could cope with it. I don't know. There's, there's nobody with another name like that, but it but it works, uh, and it doesn't seem silly. And it's it, it, yeah. And and I was thinking about what's the difference. The invasion of time is funny. There are funny moments in the invasion of time. There are deliberately funny moments in the invasion of time. It's not as funny as this, and yet. Because this is a different sort of humour. The humour is organic to it. The humour, I don't think, ever pushes itself too far. I think it's slightly smarter. I think it's slightly, it's more disciplined. Um, and that's, yeah. And it's, and it's. I think when people get a bit carried away, and I think when people try to keep up with Tom Baker or try to ape Tom Baker, and don't have what he has. And as I say, sometimes even he is is wayward but but he's a wayward genius uh and sometimes when you see genius non-genius is trying to keep up with tom baker it it doesn't quite work it's an it's an ill-fitting outfit i I think everybody in this has has the strength and presence of performance to to match or complement uh what tom baker is doing so it's a very consistent production um uh, and she, she does th- that was very good because she's she's sort of deadpanning her way through his excesses, and I think that serves to ground everything a little bit. I mean, he's he's very shouty, but I totally but because he's a zealot, um, and he's as we discover later on the edge of madness. I love Paul Seed. Paul Seed directed House of Cards, which was designed by Ken uh-huh. Um and again, that's what I love about the uh, DVD of this is that they interviewed a lot of the the guest cast from this season, uh, not just about their individual stories. There's a sort of overarching documentary that talks about working at the BBC at the time because, you know, this was when strikes were happening at the BBC. Uh, Paul Seed became a, 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 a hugely respected director and was recommended, I think, by Graham Williams or uh, certainly uh, this production resulted in him um uh you know moving behind the camera uh and directing some absolutely fantastic stuff never had the pleasure he's uh, he's one i've I'd, I'd very much like to to have had the chance to speak with paul seed because uh, i love what he does in this and i love his subsequent career um and he's he's got the hardest job really because everyone else is quite funny and he's not really allowed to be but he still needs to to sort of match the largesse, and he certainly does that, but also be a credible threat, and he is certainly that. Uh, and there are actors who shout less than Paul Seed in Doctor Who, who somehow seem more over the top, or less appropriately over the top, whereas whereas I think he, he, is, he is well... He judges it very, very well. Um... So, the yes, the I worked with uh, Dan Rebellato on a radio play, and it's, I have to say, the best radio scripts I've ever read, um, a, a production of Dead Souls for Radio 4. Uh, it was a straight offer for me, which was very nice, very unusual, uh, and I got the cast list through, and it went, Michael Palin, Mark Heap, Toby Haydock I thought, I'll take that. How has it got such a strong cast? And then I read the script and it was fantastic. Every character brilliantly drawn. Uh, and I really liked Dan. But we didn't talk about Doctor Who because I didn't know he was a fan and he didn't know I was. It was only subsequently on Twitter uh, when I think we followed each other because we'd got on when we'd we done the show. But he'd been so busy um, supervising the production. One of us, I can't remember what the tweet was, but I know it was about the monster of Peladon. And I and I went, "How on are you a Doctor... And so it went on. Now, this is John Hamill, um, who, here's a piece of trivia, is very well endowed. There you go. You won't get that on any other podcasts. How do you know that, Toby? Because John Hamill, uh, I mean, you, you, you can find him on the internet. Uh, he was a, a, a bodybuilder and uh, not a glamour model. I mean, I mean, it's quite a glamorous appendage that he has. Um and he and he did do some some saucy movies, uh, but he also did some pretty impressive movies he's in and and sort of semi-leading roles in in sort of horrory type movies in the 70s. He's one in one with is it called Trog with Joan Crawford and Bernard Kay, my old mucker, uh, which leads to Bernard Kay being played by somebody in Feud, the series about Joan Crawford and. Uh, 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 you know the Susan Sarandon Jessica Lang one I'm going off piste talk about that when we talk about Bernard in a story that he's in but anyway John Hamill had a sort of decent ish film career you know and any any actor to be working in films in sort of featured parts is is a, is an achievement but he also did saucy films and he also did life modeling uh, and as I say if you you have a look if you're that way inclined have a look on the internet you see quite a lot of John Hamill and there's quite a lot of him uh but uh uh, uh uh but yes he was cast in this by by George Penterfoster and he he I think John Hamill said that his acting career went off the boil a bit because because of the those movies oh I love the blood in the uh in the mouth of the schrievensal which was actually apart from the flappy claw was i think oh Sarah Luckham gets top billing, of course. Um, why am go, oh, I knew that. Um, but I I want to acknowledge it because he's not in it again. That's his only appearance in doctor Two, but he gets top billing. John Hamill, there we are. Um, I'm sure I can talk about him a bit later. He's not going be the, the basically he plays a guard, but uh he's got quite a, a, a an interesting uh history. Um I think he also eventually an, uh, opened a furniture shop. Um Uh, So, uh, uh, John Hamill's Wood uh, is something that perhaps has many different connotations, Um, directed by George Spenton Foster, who's an interesting figure, too, who I would sort of like to know more about. We think of him as somebody who died sort of before anybody interviewed, but I don't think he did. I think he died... Uh, you know, after he could have been sort of tracked down and talked about Doctor 2, Do, but he'd, I think he'd gone to Australia. Our feeling is that he went to Australia, maybe died in the early 90s is what I think off the top of my head. Whereas I think we'd always had him as somebody who perhaps died in the early 80s or he sort of fell off our radar uh, in a way that other Doc 2 directors from that period didn't and were tracked down in interviews, I think. And, and George Spencer Foster had worked on the Quatermass experiment. Why am I saying this when there's no moving pictures? Um, uh, So... uh. I need to see what Dan's favourite thing of part one was. What is mine? Well, this is going to be difficult because a lot of the great things are performances and characters that are in all four episodes. So I've got to choose when to play. Obviously, I can't play my Binro the Heretic card because he's not in uh, I, in this episode and I would be flabbergasted if the Binro and stuff. Uh, scenes are not chosen by both Dan and I. I wonder if this is one where I could actually do well if I play my cards right. But I think for episode one will he choose Cyril Luckham and the Guardian and the lights but I did like that opening with the going dark and the blaring lights shall I choose that or do I choose Reboss itself with the snow and the cold and the furs and just that setting that I think is 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 novel and and it feels real and it's well rendered or do i choose the opening with the light i did like that light watching it on this this big screen here i was really impressive with the organ music or do i choose that's only going to be in this episode and i could do the snow and the and the cold stone and the chill of rebos later what do i do what's boy to do what's boy to do I'm going to do just because I think I always think of it as a bit of an underwhelming heralding to the key to time idea. You know, a man sitting in a chair. Brilliant, though, Cyril Luckham is and witty, though, that exchange is, But actually, I'd forgotten they do actually start the whole season with a bit of a, a, a bang and an attempt to be grandiose with that darkness. And then that blinding light, which I think is is perhaps. Yeah, it. It's perhaps giving it bigger welly than I than I'd my 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 general half remembered feelings were. So I'm going to say that that powerful entrance of the Guardian. Um, it's going to be interesting. I might have to I might have to play this one. Uh, what is Dan's favourite thing about episode one?
1: The thing I love about episode one. I hope this isn't too much of a cheat because. This is something that carries on the whole way through. But it's the world building. It's the way the story builds out a really rich sense of all the worlds that are going on in, in this adventure. Uh, first of all, there's Rebos. We actually we find out a lot about Rebos. We found out about its, um, we find out about its geography. You know the the tundra the ice time the sun time uh and then connected with that of course we find out quite a lot about its culture and its cosmology um there's a real in fact in terms of its culture the a big shout out i think for dudley simpson's score particularly in this episode the scene where they secure the strong room i think that's what they're doing uh and he creates that wonderful um slightly eastern european feeling uh, organ piece that's very very memorable very grand very atmospheric is wonderful we we sort of find out about the kind of politics and attitudes of the place it's a really really powerful evocation of 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 a planet and then of course we've got a second world which is the the world of the gruff in decay um you know the the Cyrenic empire the leviathan throne the alliance Wars, we find out that you've got these lovely little hints of planets like Crestus Minor, and you know, the, the labyrinths on Freitas and the Scar, I think, is mentioned, and so on. The whole idea of his brother usurping the throne is great. And then the third story is, of course, Garon's story, this intergalactic conman which is kind of brilliantly done and we get lovely little hints about his his past the the fantastic line that Unstoff has about saying that he once said he was from a planet called hackney wick which is a brilliant brilliant joke uh it's 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 brilliant the way this story sets up the whole world uh and Deadly Assassin does it as well. I think that's another story where you kind of go, "Oh, actually, they've really thought through what this whole world is like." Uh, Keeper of Traken as well is another really, really good one. And this is one of those few stories where the uh, the world that the Doctor is entering is so well set up that actually, when the Doctor appears, I'm always really surprised. I go, "Oh yeah, of course, it's a Doctor Who story." Um, the Leisure Hive does that as well in a funny way but this is um this is great so episode one it's the world building that uh absolutely thrills me
0: okay yeah brilliant uh i'm 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 not gonna stand a chance for this because he's really thought about that and he puts that so brilliantly he's so he's very clever dan uh i i am you can tell he's a smart, artistic person. He's a he's a sort of person that you, you, you. In fact, the last time I saw him, I was well, I I I actually I didn't get a chance to speak to him because I was doing something. He was he was it was at the National Theatre uh, tea rooms and he was talking to Simon Williams. Um, and I do imagine I imagine Dan just wearing a scarf and bumping into Gore Vidal on the South Bank um, and being clever. No, uh, uh, so perhaps. Yeah, but bumping into Gore Vidal, or probably talking because he's he's not a snob. He likes popular culture. Uh, chatting to Gore Vidal about Rent-A-Ghost that's what, whilst wearing a scarf. That's what I imagine Dan's perfect life is like. Um, uh, so uh, which is why I'm thrilled uh, that he's doing this. And and, and what, what, a, what a I love that contribution because, yes, he's absolutely right and nails The brilliance, I think, of Robert Holmes' writing and the economy with which he world builds. And and it's a a common thing in all of his scripts. uh, And I probably won't tire of talking about it um, because of the way that he can build a world that we never see with a line. Uh, And it's very, very clever writing um, uh, that's also very easy on the ear because the things he describes come to life because of his vocabulary um uh and uh, you know his use of language and character very good choice better than uh a, a, a lighting effect and an entrance and a, and a bit i chose a bit i chose a couple of seconds he really thought about that uh, <laughs> well there we are um i don't th- yes interesting interesting that i thought i might struggle to, to speak during that uh, I'm still I'm still not hopeful I'm going to be able to f- fully be eloquent about the greatness of the rebos operation but it is certainly a thing of greatness um, so uh, I'm going to give it my best shot so something will happen in episodes 2, 3 and 4 I'll, I'll make sure that I don't say nothing ever Thanks for watching. Good night. Thanks for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest was Dan Rebellato. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Sincere thanks to this episode's featured patrons. They are Rob Leonard, Paul Cook, Joe Llewellyn, Stephen Moffat, not that one, Sarah Crotzer, Rob Dawson, Darren Howard and Sean McAllister. Dan Rebellato's play You and Me is on January the 4th on BBC Radio 4 at 2pm and will be available for a month on BBC Sounds. Don't forget to subscribe and to please rate this five stars wherever you happen to pick up your podcasts. That really does help. You can become a patron at patreon.com/forward slash Toby Haydock, or you can make a one-off donation at ko-fi.com/forward slash Toby Haydock. My Radio 4 Extra tribute show, obituaries for those who left us in 2020 but who created some of the sci-fi we all know and love, is available on BBC Sounds. It is called Absent Friends: The Seventh Dimension. It was broadcast on January the second at 6:45.